You're listening to Reach, a podcast created for professional bloggers to help you expand your reach and maximize your bottom line. I'm your host, Val Geisler, fellow blogger and marketer at ConvertKit. So how often do you really put yourself out there? Are you actively seeking communities to be part of, people to help, and ways to grow? If you're busy working away in solitude, you are likely missing some huge opportunities that are just around the corner. Today, we're talking to Joanna Weeb, the original conversion copywriter. Joanna is the creator of the popular marketing blog, Copy Hackers, and the founder of AirStory, all your team's knowledge, searchable and ready to use. In this conversation, Joanna shares how to make decisions on what to actually publish to your blog, why she believes community and confidence are the two most powerful tools for any business owner, and how she got out of her own way to build the brand and life she truly loves. If you find yourself feeling inspired by today's interview and want to impact your own reach right away, get our free action guide from this episode at convertkit.com reach, or just click the link in your podcast player. Let's find out how Joanna Weeb achieved her reach. Hi, Joanna. Thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Val. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you as a, a fellow writer and um, kind of word nerd. Uh, <laughs> and can you tell us more about you and copy hackers and uh, everything that you do on the web and and maybe even off? Yeah, absolutely, totally. So, copy hackers is a space for people to marketers in particular to learn how to grow their businesses online using their words. So it's a place to learn to write copy that converts. Um, It started out as largely for startups like solopreneurs, micropreneurs, self-funded companies. And it's um, since grown, the audience has grown to include huge businesses, thank you know, all the, the whole range of it. And still, of course, the small micropreneurs um, and a lot more freelancers today as well. So um, so that's what we're there to help people do. Um, that's the whole purpose of Copy Hackers is to get you to a place where you can confidently use your words to grow your business. Um, and other than that, we've got, we've got another product. Uh, it's called AirStory, and that is a tool, a platform for teams that write together. So that is coming up very, very soon. Um, but yeah, that, that's really the breakdown of what we do at Copy Hackers. Um, we're pretty excited about AirStory at the ConvertKit uh, content team because we use a lot of Google Docs and it yes. can get a little confusing. So, um, but before we talk about AirStory and and all of that and get too deep into that, I would love to have you take us back to the early days of Copy Hackers and sure. uh, talk a bit about what you were were doing at the time when you started the site. Um, what I think a lot of people get interested in naming things. Uh. Um, so like, you know, yeah. uh, we, especially when we're new to a, uh, running a business and maybe doing some freelancing and thinking, oh, I should probably set up a, a website for this. And, and then we get caught up in like, okay, what am I going to call it? And yeah. uh, I know you're big on, on words and, and names. So um, can you talk a little bit about those very early days of copy hackers and it, were you freelancing and what was yeah. your process like to start the company? Sure, totally. I love going back to those scary, exciting days and you had no idea what was in the store for you. And you was like, well, let's try it. Um, so I had, I had quit my job at Intuit and I had 
it's a long story, but I had accidentally quit my job. So I had written the email where you say like, you know, I really wasn't a fan of my boss, frankly. Um, and so I had written this email a bunch of times, like the I quit email. I had perfected this thing. It was beautiful. Um, <laughs> and I accidentally hit send on it one day when I wasn't paying attention. Oh, no. <laughs> So, but thankfully I had, because I'd perfected it, I actually had like proper dates and things in it. So, um, I dated it in such a way that I would still get all of my, like, uh, it was coming up to the end of the fiscal year. And that's when you get your bonus paid out and your stock options or your, your, your shares vest or whatever. Um, so it worked out well for me financially. I didn't totally screw myself, but I did end up (laughs) leaving a job that I should have left at least two years prior. Um, but it was hard to leave it because, you know, it's, it's, it was Intuit. Intuit is a brilliant employer with awesome products. I didn't, you know, there's a lot of reasons to stay there, but it was time for me to move on. So, so I did. And thankfully, um, the last, the year before I left, um, I had been heavily involved in a community called Hacker News, which I'm sure a lot of people who know ConvertKit would be familiar with Hacker News. And if you're not, it's a great um, forum for largely technical founders to hang out and share ideas and things like that. So I was on there a year earlier already um, helping out startups with like their copy, like just giving feedback and things like that. And I'd I'd given feedback to one person in particular. I won't get into the details, but he was super awesome. And he shared my whole slide deck I'd put together for him. He shared it with the entire community. It flew to the top of Hacker News, which was awesome. And I got like inundated with requests to help people with their copy. And I was like, oh, okay. So there's something to this, right? Like startups need help with copy. All right, cool. And so I wanted to do other stuff anyway, other than Intuit, which again, was still a really great job, but um, I I should have left early because I'd already done everything at Intuit, right? I could get my work done in like two hours a day Mm. and there was just like no other work for me. So um, so I started (laughs) moonlighting, Um, but for free, right? I was doing, I was just helping startups with their copy. And um, so over the course of that, that year, um, I helped a bunch of startups out. I put together some before and after case studies and those that I couldn't help said, well, if you can't help me, why don't you just write an ebook so I can at least learn how to do this? And I was like, okay, I can write an ebook. So I did. And by the time I accidentally quit my job at Intuit in August of that year, um, I had a, a big, big ebook in place. And so I sent it out to some beta readers and thought, okay, well, this is a good time to maybe put this book out there. And while the beta readers were reading it and tearing it apart, um, I, I came up with, with the name, the name for the books was all it was going to be is just, these are books under this umbrella and this will be the name of the quote unquote business. Um, and I, I was thinking copy for hackers. That was where because I was. of Hacker News. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So it okay. came from that. I knew these people, this exact audience wanted this exact product. So name it accordingly. So I called it Copy for Hackers. And then Lance doing his great social network impersonation was like, um, drop the four, just Copy Hackers. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's so funny. <laughs> but we did. We dropped it. We dropped the four um, and became Copy Hackers. And that's then someone put it on. We hired someone on 99designs to do book covers for us. Um, and that became the brand. But that's how we arrived at the name. It was fully through like 
knowing exactly <laughs> who we were writing these books for. Um, and of course, then you get to a point where now we're nearly five years later and our audience is very different, um, but it still seems to work, the name mm. Copy Hackers. We'll see where it goes. I had Brian Clark at Copy Blogger was, gave me a really nice compliment when he introduced me at his conference like two and a half years ago or something. He said that if he was starting a business today, he would have called Copy Blogger Copy Hackers. So I thought Ooh, that was a good name. I yeah. thought that was a nice thing to say. Yeah. Absolutely. So you said that you were really doing all of that work on Copy Hackers for or hacker news for free, yeah, um, and yeah. and building copy hackers basically on the backs of free work. Exactly. You said you created a slide deck yeah. and writing an ebook. Obviously, you don't get paid for all of that. And I know we hear all the time, give it away for free, give away your best work for free. But people are so afraid to do that. I know. What uh, what was it in you that that said, no, this is the right thing to do. And I'm not going to charge people. Um, I'm going to help certain people um, with their work and, and turn this into a portfolio. Because clearly, you had those before and after case studies, there was, sounds like there was a method to your madness a bit. Yeah, and I think I think you know the best thing I've found is just to try to stay out of the way of things that are happening and just like roll with it, right? So for me it was like, okay, all these people are saying they want help. I know they can't afford my rate. And by the way, I also don't want to do it like as a job. Like I I wanted to do it for fun and like um just to explore writing for startups. Um but it's but I think if you let yourself get in the way, this is what I have found. This isn't like a general theory in life, but this is like what I have found. If I got in my own way and said like, "Mm, I can't give this away because if I do, then all of my secrets will be out. Nobody will hire me. I've just never had that thought. What's weird to me is when I do here, and I've had this happen. uh, It happened in one month this year in 2016 in a single like four week period, two separate copywriters that I thought were awesome and still think are awesome. When I suggested that they share this one idea, they each had this one cool idea, that they share it, you know, with the world, like go teach people. They both said no for the same reason, that that was their trade secret. And if they let it out, no one would ever hire them again, or they'd have no reason to. And it seems so mad to me, but it's, I don't, I don't understand how you could think that Showing the world you know something they didn't know, like people love that crap. Like people yeah. love hearing that. And you become this person who knows stuff. And it's like, oh, if you know that thing, what else do you know that I don't know? And chances are extraordinarily good. You know a lot of other things. So for me, I continue to fully and completely believe in giving it away or charging your huge full rate for it. So, um, and that's like, don't discount, either give it away free or go and charge your full rate for the thing, um, which of course gets very expensive, but that's how I think a lot of businesses are built well. So for us, yeah, giving it away has been a no-brainer. It's paid off in that we get to have those case studies that we share. I mean, even today, we still do giveaway work. Um, We did with Buffer recently, actually. We take on volunteer clients um, at Copy Hackers because we don't operate as an agency. We're just here to teach and write the blog and do that kind of stuff. So, um, so we had, we worked with Buffer recently, um, on a free 
basis to optimize one of their landing pages purely to get the study out of it that we could then share. Because who doesn't want to read about how you optimize the buffer for business landing page, right? Like that's an awesome thing to be able to share. And it's true. Others could come and take the ideas we share in there and never credit us and never say anything nice about us or share it, you know, even tweet it. And that absolutely happens, but that's just part of it. Um, that for what for the payoff, I think that it's more than worth it to give away your best stuff and maybe keep you know that little percentage that you can then sell and sell for a really great rate. But um, it's so good. I have found it so good for your brand to give away um, a lot of killer knowledge because there's a lot of fluffy knowledge out there. And if yours is like, holy crap, that's exactly what I needed to know, um, that has never been bad for our brand or for a business. So you said that your audience has really shifted away from, not away from, but it's grown in addition to the the startup world and the Hacker News tribe. <laughs> um, you now have, you know, solopreneurs and bloggers and um, small business owners and people with teams of five, uh, that, that kind of thing, reading, um, reading your site and learning from you guys. So I wonder if that in conjunction with the fact that you do have your, your full rate packages that you charge people for and, uh, and rightfully so, um, I wonder if there is a segment of your audience who has never and likely will never buy anything from you oh, yeah. and, and how, how that affects your decisions you make about the blog. I, okay, so we do, we make decisions on what we're going to publish based on the thing that we're going to measure that by. So uh, for a blog post, we're going to measure success of the blog post by shares generally. Did people share it? So if that's how we're going to measure it, then that's what we need people to do. So if we, if we know that, let's say, freelance copywriters share a post better than a growth hacker at Expedia shares a post, then we're more likely, of course, to write the stuff for that freelancer audience because we want our stuff shared so we can grow our audience and put more people on our list so that we can sell them more of our products. Um, Natural, because we're in business. (laughs) It's a business. Mm -hmm. We have to have that. But that doesn't mean that we won't do posts that are designed for the growth hackers at Expedia and places like that. Um, We'll still do those, but we're definitely getting more strategic about choosing our topics based on what our audience has shown they care about. But we know that our audience is divided up into copywriters and growth marketers. And then within copywriters, it's freelance or in-house slash in-agency. So we are shifting our blog. We're actually in the middle of it and shifting our list as well, or the way that we tag people um, on like in ConvertKit and when we're actually bringing people into the list and we're planning on segmenting content, um, we are shifting toward creating content for those three groups and then promoting it more heavily to each of those groups. Does that does that make yeah, sense? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in episode 10 of the show, Tara Gentile talked about uh, kind of getting narrow with your um, topics on yeah. your blog. Yeah. And so in your case, it sounds like it's a little more narrow as far as your audience focus. And you're thinking about who you're writing to when you're writing it as opposed to writing to a particular topic, because you certainly cover 
a lot. And there's a lot to talk about when it comes to writing. There um, is. And it's particularly like we have found because our audience shifted a lot or, or grew really in 2015, we added a lot of copywriters and freelance copywriters in particular onto the list. Um, so we wanted to say more to them about freelance copywriting, but a growth hacker, again, at Expedia, doesn't care about freelance copywriting. So we mm-hmm. have to be a lot more careful with uh, knowing more about the people on our list so that we're not, there's not this sense that they're getting irrelevant content from us, which is obviously very, very bad for open rates and things like that. Um, so, but yeah, I fully agree. Like the more narrow we get with our content, um, the better in a lot of cases, but it just, it definitely means that we have to have great tagging done. Okay. So let's, let's talk about that because something that is discussed all the time when it comes to copy is, you know, what shows up on your blog and, um, the, the topics you choose and what your, the length of your posts and all the different types of posts you can write and all that good stuff. But what's not often talked about is the the rest of your copy that you create. So your your email campaigns and um, the those specific segments. So you are you're speaking to the right person and t- and telling them exactly what they need when they need to hear it. So would you mind taking us a little bit behind the scenes of what that looks like for you guys and and how you how you have both a freelance copywriter and a Expedia growth hacker on the same email list? Yeah, sure. Um, Yeah. So for us, it's just a matter of using tagging pretty well. I mean, it's not super sophisticated. We don't go crazy with our tagging, but, um, but from the first email, and this is, we're actually, we've actually just rewritten our drip campaign um, for onboarding new subscribers. But in that first one, of course, getting them to segment, self-segment, um, and by them, I mean all new subscribers. So currently we have our, our one option for segmenting for new subscribers is to get them to, um, to click the link in that first email that helps us then understand the type of content that they want. So if they want to read a post about how to be a freelance copywriter, like our diva list, which is popular with freelancers, how to (laughs) be a diva (laughs) copywriter. Um, If they want to just get advanced insights into copywriting, or if they want the beginner's guide to copywriting for growth, um, then we tag them accordingly. So obviously beginner's guide to copywriting for growth means you're probably a growth hacker where copywriting might not be your full-time job, but you know that it's directly tied to growth hacking or growth marketing. Um, and then of course the advanced stuff, we're likely to believe that you are a copywriter of some kind in-house, let's say. Um, and then of course the other, the freelancer one tells us that you're probably a freelance copywriter. Probably. Now, obviously, yeah. there's better ways. There's lots. There's more we could do, but this is like the essentials to help us get to a place of relevance. And then from there, we can put you onto drip campaigns that are designed to nurture you into the right content, free and paid content that we've got for you, depending on who you are. Is that what you, does that help kind of show yeah. the behind the scenes? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, so many of our bloggers and listeners to the show are experiencing that same thing of having a few different people that are interested in what they write about. Um, I think about our guest, Sarah Von Bargen, who has, she has people who want to 
read her posts about entrepreneurship and she has like a, a little small business following, but she also has people who only want her lifestyle posts and she has people who only want her kind of day in the life series posts. Yeah. And, yeah. and so she writes about so many different things and a lot of bloggers do that you don't want to alienate one from the other yeah. and make sure that you're really speaking to the people who who want that content when, when it's available for them. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, I'm sure so many of us are going through the same thing as soon as you start, even, I mean, you don't even have to have a very big list to start to see some differences. And then of course that makes it look like your open rates are poor. If you're broadcasting um, to everybody, then your open rates are probably going to suck unless you have really vague subject lines or subject lines that don't really speak to what's inside, um, then your click-through rates are probably going to suck. So something's going to suffer if you're not sending relevant emails. Um, and so um, that's definitely something for everybody to address. I think it's just, I think there's a little bit of mystery there, which is too bad because I, for us, it comes down to just tagging in that welcome email. <laughs> and then from there, once you know that people are freelance copywriters, then when you have a freelance copywriting post, you just send it to people who are tagged freelance copywriters um, and you put them into sequences and automations accordingly. So, um, but it is, I agree, it's, it's an ongoing challenge, but it, it feels like the solution is not that hard. At least the basic solution is not that hard. Yeah. Yeah. And there is a lot of fear around email writing specifically um, versus writing for your blog, right? Because you hit send and it's it's gone and oh. you can't you can't go back into WordPress and edit it or yeah. you know make a change to a link or anything like that. Um, and I would love it if you have just a brief story of I mean you have you have a huge reach you've got all these different people that are following your blog and those of us that don't have quite the reach that you do still have so much fear around making a mistake in an email oh man um, can you share oh, where <laughs> you're I, like which one <laughs> exactly I've had to and what's particularly hard I don't know maybe others feel this too but for us because we have because we're called writers of a sort, we're copywriters, but there's still an expectation that you do not make a mistake or mm. you will get so corrected, it will make your head spin. Um, so I have to be very, very careful. Um, I had somebody write to me the other day, I used um, the word, instead of cuz, like, you know, short oh, yeah. form cuz, yeah. um, I I listened to a lot of Britpop when I was in high school and it shaped me and I would read the lyrics, which is the bad thing to do according to Brit poppers, especially, but I would oh. read the lyrics as I listened. And because they were British, it was written C O S when they would say, cause they would write C O S. Uh -huh. And I just adopted that. And I've always like liked it in life. I don't know. It's something that feels like, I don't know. It's part of me. Um, and so I wrote, because like that in an email just maybe two weeks ago, <laughs> I got torn apart by somebody who wrote back to me like, your grammar, that's not even a word, just tearing apart everything. And I was like, oh man, one, it's intentional, whatever. <laughs> so, so, some, so I've made those mistakes. There's obviously, there's the oops um, email, which gets even more opens. As most people know, if you've had to send a whoops, we messed up in that email, um, that one will 
always get crazy opens. So that's actually kind of a good thing. Um, when you make that mistake, it's it's a good thing um, for opens, at least going forward. And of course, it makes you look human, too, which is always nice. But I feel I still feel that anxiety um, when it's time to hit send. I don't schedule emails to go out if I am not out of bed yet. So although we're on, you know, I'm Pacific time. And that means that at nine o'clock my time, when I'm like absolutely certain I will be sitting at my desk, um, it's noon already out East and England's shutting down for the day. So a lot of my list is like already not there, which sucks. So I have to get up a little earlier (laughs) or make sure I'm at my desk a little early. Not that I get up at nine or something, but I have to make sure I'm at my desk um, in order before anything goes out. I just, I I feel too much anxiety. So I like to get up a little earlier on those days that I'm going to send something. Um, It's hard the more emails you send. Now for drips and automated emails, there's nothing you can do about those, but you've already checked them anyway, right? So a drip (laughs) campaign, someone will say, oh, you spelled that wrong. And then you go in and you fix it and people tomorrow will never know. Um, But it's those one-off broadcasts that people get really nervous about. I know. And I I don't blame them, but what I've actually done recently, because the more emails you send, the more emails you send, the more, um, I think there's there's room to uh, mess up one and to get people the bigger your list too. the more subscribers you're adding more recently um, your opens are obviously going to be better and higher but you uh, you can get some complaints too and I find that I take them really personally if somebody says like you emailed me too much which when you're in the middle of like a launch campaign like we just finished 10x emails our course launch um, and there's an aggressive emailing schedule in there. We're nowhere near as aggressive as others I've seen, but people still have an expectation and they write to you and say mean things to you that make you feel bad about hitting the send button the next time, which is really counterproductive for your business. So to shut those out, I've actually changed the email address that you reply to. So it goes, instead of now going to my personal email address. Um, It goes to an account where my VA and where Lance and other members of the team can go in and respond because it's important for the person who is sending the emails to not feel terrified about sending an email. Email is so powerful that you have to do what it takes, I think, to protect yourself from the things that might keep you from using that really powerful platform to your business's advantage. Yeah, to to paraphrase Beyonce, I believe it's. I'm an artist, and I'm sensitive about my work. Uh, she uses a different word in her <laughs> lyrics, but uh, yeah, to, nice. to keep it PG here. But that's right. it's so true. I think that every time I put anything on the internet, which is multiple times a week now with ConvertKit, um, yeah. you know, it's yeah. it, we are all as creators, whether you consider yourself an artist or not, um, you're a creator and you're writing something that other people are going to see and read. And um, that's a huge part of blogging and yep. then emailing people and basically walking into their like digital living room and announcing, hey, here's this thing I wrote. Um, you know, that's a very vulnerable place to be in. So like, virtual high fives to everyone who's doing it. And I love that you said that, you know, the more you do it, the more feedback you get and the more, um, I think you also get better at it the more you do it. I agree. And, but the thing is you, you can get a ton of nice emails, right? And it's, 
I'm going to like, what does Julia Roberts say in Pretty Woman? The bad stuff's easier to believe. Um, yeah. So when I look at us quoting Pretty Women, Woman, I know. And Beyonce, <laughs> Beyonce, right? right? <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's awesome stuff though. Um, but, but it, so we, again, with 10X emails, that course that we, we just shut down or just closed the launch of, um, I got dozens of emails that said, holy crap, that was a great email. But then you, you really only need to get one to feel bad about yourself again, right? To go like, oh yep. crap, okay, well I did write by those guys, so that's cool, but then this one person complained and I wonder if everybody else hates me too, right? Like does the whole world want me to stop talking? Like should I even be in business anymore? Um, so it like can get really out of control very quickly, um, but 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 yeah, it is, I don't know, it's, it's hard to keep the bad out. I find the next time I go to write an email, that bad voice is in there making me question everything. So best just to block them out. They don't belong. Yeah. They're not part. Put them, put them in a folder. Yeah. If you don't have a VA or someone that you can point them to, have them all drop into a, a folder that you can read through with like your favorite beverage that's <laughs> close at hand I or actually, whatever you need to do. <laughs> I have what I call an explosion box. And that is a folder that I've named explosion box. And when I get a really bad email, and it's usually not in, it's just for something, right? Somebody decided they were going to be an absolute jerk and try to tear you down. So I take those and I drag them over to Explosion Box and very dramatically release them into Explosion Box, visualize the exploding of that email. It is gone. It's completely out of there. I love it. I don't use it that often because you don't want to overuse Explosion Box, but I find it very useful to get rid of and just like, I don't want any part of this in my life. You're gone. You're like exploded from my world, never to be heard from again. Um, So I find that useful. So cathartic, right? <laughs> and you know, you you do carry on, even though um, you have a lot of people coming at you with both positive and constructive, <laughs> maybe maybe feedback. Um, but you you do carry on. You post to your blog really regularly. Um, you know, you provide incredibly valuable content, even sometimes in like two and three part series of blog posts. And, uh, you know, it just makes me wonder, is there something in particular that has influenced you, especially lately, um, to to continue to carry on and to keep talking about what you're talking about, no matter what kind of feedback you're getting? Yeah, I think, you know, I've had some people I really respect say really nice, um, encouraging things. So um, I, I lucky to have been very early on the um, microconf community was very supportive. Um, right yeah, out of we the love them. Right? Yeah, they're a killer community. That's where I met Nathan. Um, Rob Walling, obviously, when he first invited me, that was my first speaking engagement. Um, Rob invited me, which was very cool. I had never met him before. It was awesome to know that he was reading my stuff. I had no idea, so that was cool. Um, and then everybody in that, the Josh Kaufmans, Tim Grawls, all of these people who are so supportive and who are doing the same thing and doing it in a way that I think um, that I want to keep being like. Um, so like in, in outside of microconf, you know, the Rand Fishkins and Ollie Gardner's are when they say something nice about you and Brian Clark, right? I don't want to um, 
disappoint those people by creating content that isn't really fantastic. So they are the people I try to keep in my mind to keep going and keep doing things. They've said, you know, yes, you're doing awesome stuff. Um, And so that helps, of course. And naturally, it doesn't all have to come from outside. There is that deep drive from the inside that's like, you know, you got this, right? You can you can do this. Um, people do want to hear from you. You do have useful things to add to the conversation. Um, so it's a bit of outside and a lot of inside. But sometimes those outside encouragements can take you through the really, really hard times, right? Yeah. yeah. And those outside encouragements that you said microconf is one of the first places that you spoke yeah. or the first place that you spoke But um, did you have other kind of community building things that you did, uh, especially in the early days, to to find that that outside encouragement to keep going? Um, I think a lot of us work basically in our little our little bubble. We work at home at our kitchen tables or maybe in a little office space, but it. It can be very isolating. Yeah. Um, I know you have Lance with you there, yes. who's your business partner. And, you know, now you've grown a team. Yes. Um, but in those early days, what did that look like to build a community? Yeah, the early, I mean, it was something that, you know, I think being part of Hacker News was mm. a big part of. And I mean, I was a small part of it, right? A very small part of the conversations, but it's a huge community. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was very, very helpful. Um, but I honestly, I didn't have much of that going on at all. Like I didn't have a community that I was a part of it. If anything, it became, and I wanted one of course, but I didn't join Facebook groups. And that was like five years ago. And there just weren't really Facebook yeah. groups even four years ago. It just wasn't that common. Um, so, but it was, um, I was really lucky to have in particular, Josh Kaufman, the, the writer, um, reached out and invited me into this group that they have, which I think I'm not allowed to talk about. I think I signed something. It's, that's like, it's fight club for it is, internet. It really businesses. is. Like we got cloaks and everything. It was pretty crazy. It's awesome. <laughs> um, but that was an early on thing to be able to, um, connect with people who are going through the same stuff you are. And then since then, you know, it's become, obviously Slack has made it possible to be invited to a billion different communities. So, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot, there's a lot out there, but early on it was just me at my computer. And of course, as a, as a writer, I think I'm just kind of pretty okay with solitude and being alone. Um, but it doesn't mean it's good for you. It's always, you know, it's, it's better to have people to share stuff with, but I didn't actively seek out a community Thank the Lord a community sought me out and included me in it, um, which I know isn't always going to be the case. Um, But I think it's really a matter of just, I say this to everybody in my mastermind again and again, if you just put yourself out there, which means get on Hacker News and get involved in discussions. Your voice is valid. People do want to hear from you. People will like hearing from you. Get into inbound.org is great. You know, go on Reddit. There are places where you can feel like you're part of that community. Um, That can, of course, be really, really good for your business, but I don't, that's been my experience at least. 
Absolutely. Has it influenced the reach that you have in the in the world um, and maybe brought in some of these sub-segments of your email list even? Oh, totally. Like I, I did a post on, on how speaking at MicroConf, on what came out of that. Um, and of course, speaking at MicroConf, getting invited there happened because I was involved in the Hacker News community and launched Copy Hackers on Hacker News. So that's naturally where Rob Walling first found me, started listening or reading my stuff, and then invited me to MicroConf to speak from their Heaton Shaw, um, invited me to work on some freelance stuff for Crazy Egg, and Brian Clark invited me to speak at his, his conference. Like, There's so much that poured out of that, but it came out of that initial um, involvement in that community, if that makes sense. Like it all... I can map out how things have grown and those those new segments, those new, um, yeah, well, essentially segments of people have started to follow copy hackers, but it came very organically out of just like being part of something, a conversation that you wanted to be involved in. Um, and then it worked, <laughs> it worked, yeah. a conversation worked. So yeah, um, but yeah, absolutely. It, it spread out from that initial community. From putting yourself out there, yeah, and that 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 very advice you give to people again every day again. is what you put into place in your own business. Yeah, yep. I uh, I love seeing all the different uh, case studies and um, the like. I said you do a few different kind of three part or two part series on on the blog, and um, and I wonder if you're putting what you're doing for other people into place in your own business and um, and running those processes through on yourself. Because a lot of times we teach what we know, but then we get caught up in the teaching and not the implementing within our own businesses. So oh, can man. you tell me your own process for, for doing that? No, because I totally <laughs> get it wrong. Um, I'm, I'm that same, that same shoemakers kids whatever the saying is oh yeah yeah <laughs> right it's it's that's that's me too i mean there's so many things i've been fully aware of our need to do different tagging for our um welcome series and we're only just starting on that now like we're just implementing it now even though i've been telling people and coaching people to do it for how long and i've had the list growing all that time and not segmenting them it's completely ridiculous um, so I don't, I'm as, I'm as guilty as the next person is, um, but, but I do have a, a mastermind type thing that I am a part of that keeps me, um, more on track that brings me back to make me make sure I'm doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing. And I've been lucky to have like some people like the Amy Hoyes of the world who, you know, are awesome and will say, Hey, uh, why are you doing it this way? And I'm like, oh yeah, good point. I teach to do it a different way. Why am I doing it that way? So other people who are great friends who are, you know, are, are helping in the coaching me department, the ad hoc coaching department. <laughs> um, but no, we, we like to call it unsolicited advice. Yeah, like, <laughs> yes. yeah bring but it's it like on. Welcome advice. It's like informed advice, not just like, oh, I have no idea what your business is, but I'm going to correct yeah. your typo for you. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, that's fine. different. It's, nice. it's just, it's just making more work for me. Thanks for that. Let's just get past the typos. <laughs> Which is hard. But you know, we can join you in in saying that that w 
I mean, we're just now implementing an introductory sequence when you join our email list. And that's something that we teach all the time. Um, and that is, a, it's a huge way to grow your email list is to talk to people immediately and, and yeah. often when they join your email list. And yep. and we just now implemented that within ConvertKit's email list. So um, so we also are the shoemaker's children, you know, right. a little bit. Um, yeah. And and it just goes to show, like, you have a team in place, um, you have a, a lot of people who work with you, and um, and we do now, too. And I think as – and I know when I was a freelancer and um, doing everything myself, I always felt like, oh, well, I would do that if I had more people, mm-hmm. like, that could help me do it. But it kind of just goes to show, like, doesn't even necessarily mean having more people is the answer. It's just about buckling down and doing yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Prioritizing cool. it and, like, making sure sure it doesn't slip because it's so easy for it to slip, right? Like it's so easy to say, well, it wasn't a priority before. So why are we prioritizing it now? This new shiny thing is better. Which is, I think it's, it's especially um, problematic and common when it comes to email marketing. Uh, A lot of people who believe, oh, I should build my list before I email my list. And then by the time I've built my list, now I have to do other things with that rather than emailing my list, rather than working on that drip campaign. I'm just going to keep doing things to try to get more people into my list. And then I'll figure out the whole nurturing thing later. And so what's Snapchat doing right now? Are people getting leads <laughs> from Snapchat? Are they going to, am I going to grow my list this way? Um, it's really easy to put off the important things like setting up your drip campaign. So it actually nurtures people to become your paying customers. So you can afford to grow your business and hire more people. Um, but it's easy if you've said no to it in the past, it's like frictionless to keep saying no to it, right? To just keep putting it off. Um, But I have found that hiring people certainly doesn't make me prioritize those things. I just give them more stuff to do, like other (laughs) things to do. Um, So that's bad obviously. Yeah. And if it's something you haven't done before, you don't have a measure for this will give me results. Um, so it, it is hard to prioritize those things when you don't know the end result of it. Yeah. Um, but you have to trust your own advice that you're giving your clients or, <laughs> um, or giving away for free in different places and knowing that it works for other people and you, you teach it. So um, what better thing to do than to implement it in your own business. Amen. Yeah. Uh. (laughs) So Joanna, you guys have a ton of content on your site. And if someone were visiting copy hackers for the very first time, what is the post that you would want to make sure that they saw? Um, I think the one, there are, there are two posts that work well together. And those two posts are on Amazon review mining and copywriting formulas. So our most popular, most shared post by far is our um, every copywriting formula on the planet post that goes a long way. It's very useful. Um, And so is the Amazon review mining post. And the reason that I want people to read both of those is because those two parts are like at the core of better copy. So doing the research and finding your message and then turning it into a even more compelling message, which is what formulas can obviously do rather than sitting there. The problem that people often have, of course, is that they sit down to write something, to write 
a landing page and they stare at the screen and they think about what they should say and then they start like editing some headline they're dreaming up they edit it down to you know three words and um, all of this kind of problematic stuff so copy hackers if our entire mission is to get you to write copy that converts that means you can't do that anymore you can't stare at your screen you have to do the research to find your message and then use the formulas so those are the two posts that we are most pushy <laughs> with those are the <laughs> ones that we want out there the most and both of them together not just one or the other so if you have this message that you want to get out into the world um what uh, what do you want to do with that message once once people have it? Um, what would you love to see happen on the other end of that message? My favorite thing is seeing tweets or hearing from people about how they did X and got Y result, and they're very very happy with it. I love also going on to um, like a website on Product Hunt for some new business that's out there. And, and going onto their website and seeing things and hoping that they got that from coffee hackers. That's like, I, I love that. And, a lot, and sometimes they reach out and say that they did, right? And that's cool. Um, so that there's that. But naturally, the, because we're a business, because we're funding Air Story and we're funding the creation of more, better content, um, we more, comma, better content, not more, better um, yeah. content. Um, yeah, we need to obviously generate revenue. No brainer. Of course we do. So the ultimate goal there for the business, of course, is to deliver such value on an ongoing basis that those people who want that extra layer of value, that additional training, um, that they buy the course. So you will be interested to see or I'm I'm interested to see your thoughts around our our new website design so a little sneak peek for reach oh. listeners is that we're doing we're redoing our website and I have used a lot of things that you've taught me Yay. um in in the site copy so I'm I'm excited for you to see it oh that's awesome I can't wait to see it that's the best I love hearing that that's wicked when does yeah. it come out um, well, this fall, okay. we don't, we don't have exact dates, but, um, definitely this fall at some point, and it could actually even be out by now by the time this, this airs. So, Ooh. um, yeah, very exciting. And obviously one of the big things that you talk about is testing and, yes. um, and testing things against each other. And I think that that comes up in so many places in our business, not just in site copy or emails or things like that, but just constantly testing what's working for you. Um, and and what's working for your audience. So so you'll see a few different versions and and some testing going on for us too. But um, love it. We have we have you to thank for that. So Yay! for sure, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. well, thanks. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so Joanna, before we wrap up, I would love to know if there is one thing that you could teach uh, or share with a a brand new blogger um, or someone who's new to writing in general, um, what is that, that, that thing that you would teach them that, that would help them expand their reach and grow their bottom line? So hard to narrow it down. Like all the yeah. things, do all the things, but none of them actually, because oh. <laughs> a lot of them are huge distractions. Um, I would say 
One of the things that I've seen recently and heard a lot recently is this need to, if you're just starting out, you have to get, I've actually heard this exact number, you have to get three blog posts published and then you can start doing things to drive traffic to your site. I don't understand. I don't know where this (laughs) is coming from. Like, did somebody teach this? Is this like a post that's out there that's like misleading people? Um, So write about something that you love so much you would love to read it. You would go to town reading that post. You would like adore every moment of reading that post. If you can write that, then promote the crap out of that. You don't need three posts. You don't need listicles. You don't need roundup posts or any of that kind of stuff that, you know, is very tactical, but not necessarily great for anybody involved. Um, So write, just if you're just starting out, write a seriously killer post that if you saw your competitor had written it, you would be super jealous and wish that you had done it. Be the one who writes that and then promote it aggressively like super aggressively for like a month following it just go to town on that and obviously have a lead collection form of some kind set up so that when people do go read this killer post they get on your list and then start emailing them um to to increase engagement and grow that business it doesn't take more than a single well done post to get your business kicked off I think that's such a beautiful reminder because we do think, and you know, you hear the magical number for email lists is a thousand subscribers. Like, oh, get, and yeah, we teach people how to get a thousand subscribers, but yeah. that doesn't mean that's when you start emailing no. people. No. Um, Nobody you on know. your list knows how many subscribers are on your list. So it's that's not like right. they're waiting for you to get to a thousand before, if you start emailing <laughs> your first subscriber, that subscriber has no idea they're your first subscriber. Just start. Just set up the drip campaign, start emailing them immediately. Every subscriber is valid. They're all great opportunities to engage and grow your business and share. So I wouldn't wait. And I think it's, sorry, I think it's nuts when people wait a certain period of time before they like initiate the next initiative. Like, no, now is the time. What's stopping you? Honestly, like there's nothing real that is stopping that. So just start. I That's a great way to wrap up. I know every time I listen to you on other shows, all I want to do is get into action afterwards. So <laughs> I think this is a great place to stop and say, go get into action, put these things into place, start emailing your list, get past the nerves, hit send, mm-hmm. um, and, and just start writing those posts that you want to shout from the rooftops about. Amen. Thank you, Joanna, for your time today thanks, and well. for all of your wisdom. I can't wait to see what our listeners do with it. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks to you and everybody who listened, of course, as well. That was Joanna Weeb, copy queen and creator of Copy Hackers. You can find out more about Joanna at copyhackers.com. Grab our free action guide from this episode to help you impact your own reach today. Head to convertkit.com slash reach or simply click the link provided right in your podcast player. It's time to expand your reach. We're so glad you started here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.